Listener Production. Hi, I'm Jo Stanley and this is Best of You in the House of Wellness. With the help of mindfulness coach Emma Murray, this podcast teaches us how to shift our thoughts and control our emotions so that we can overcome life's daily challenges, the ones we expect and the ones we never saw coming. Have you ever had that strange experience where you've got exactly what you've wished for, but you're still not happy? Maybe instead of joy, you're feeling nothingness or even sadness. Well, imagine that, but on a cricket pitch in front of the whole of Australia. This episode, you'll meet cricket player Will Pekovsky, who tells us how in the moment of the greatest success of his career, he was emotionally at the lowest point of his life. We also talk about that very common voice in us that tells us no matter what we have or what we achieve, we're not enough and how to manage those thoughts. At the end of the episode, Em will give us a mindfulness exercise that empowers us to recognise and release the limiting stories we tell ourselves. Welcome, Will. Hi, Jo. How are you? Oh, I'm very well. Let's tell your story a little bit. You hit a very well-known double century in WA. In October of 2018? Yep. yep, correct. Tell us about that double century. What happened there? How was it for you? Uh, probably the opposite of what everyone would think. Uh, yeah, it was probably just a low point in my life, to be honest. I didn't really know where I was at. Um, it was probably the only time I've ever played sport completely emotionless, which is a really weird feeling because from when you're five, like I've had the competitive juices running and always just wanted to win at all costs and do well at all costs. And uh, yeah, that was probably the one time where I've actually sort of experienced playing where my result had no impact on how I felt, which was quite bizarre. And then, yeah, it almost felt like a bit of an out-of-body experience, to be honest. Like you walk off, everyone thinks you've done something incredible and sort of sitting there not really understanding what's happened. And did you feel like you had to play act some kind of joy in that moment because you're surrounded by people who are so excited for you? I think so, yeah, definitely. It was one of those things where you got, obviously all your teammates and coaches were ecstatic thinking you'd be over the moon, so you had to, I guess, pretend you were and then had a lot of text messages, phone calls, WhatsApp messages, anything you wanted from basically any person I'd ever met congratulating me saying, oh, you just must be so stoked and everything and uh, yeah, it was quite the opposite, which was yeah, a surreal position to, to find yourself in. But yeah, it's where I was at at that time, I think. And yeah, it's all, all part of a learning experience. When you say you were feeling quite the opposite, as you were hitting the ball on the field, where were you? What, were you, what was going on? Uh, I was thinking about basically how much I just hated everything I was doing the whole time, which was quite bizarre. And then the actual concept of playing cricket was just, almost computerised. So it was just, uh, the ball's there, I'll hit it there and then switch off, not really have any interest in what just happened or what was going to happen. And then it was just repeating that time after time. And then all of a sudden you're on 240 and going, oh, that's a lot of runs. Like not many people make that many runs very often. So, but it was never, yeah, there was never an emotional attachment. I would, like making a hundred in cricket is sort of seen as a big thing, like a big milestone. And I remember not even really wanting to celebrate that. Like I did because it would look normal and Mm. seem normal and would be weird to just stand there and sort of shrug your shoulders and just get on with it. But yeah, it was quite a, yeah, quite a bizarre situation. I still sort of look back on it and think, wow, that was, that was quite strange. 
Did it scare you that you were not feeling anything when you came off the field and everybody was overjoyed and you felt the opposite? What was going through your head? Uh, I don't know if scared's the right word. It was more just I just had hit probably rock bottom, like from where I'd ever been and just went, well, I've got no real emotion towards anything except general sadness. Like I don't, mm. I don't really cry very often. Like I don't remember the last time I'd cried before that. Actually, that's a lie I do. I was 10 and got smacked in the head playing cricket and <laughs> right. it really hurt. So, sure. Um, <laughs> They're good to you. Yeah, yeah. So, um, yeah, that would have been 10 years before that, I reckon, was the last time I'd cried. Um, and you sort of look at that and you just go, wow, it's quite bizarre what's going on. I just didn't really know how to control it. But uh, I didn't really fear anything because I was sort of past that, I think, and just at a point of, yeah, complete sort of just sadness and... Yeah, I think that's probably the best way to describe it. So sadness and crying all the time and feeling nothing. Yeah, pretty much. And so that is that why, I mean, shortly after this double centre, you went and spoke to Cricket Australia, didn't you? Yeah, so I went and I actually the day after we were fielding again and I remember like just standing in the field just with tears sort of, I had my sunglasses on, but tears sort of welling up behind my sunglasses and... Uh, the coach, I'd sort of warned the coach the day before. I'd said, like, something's not right here. Like, this isn't this isn't normal. Um, I've just made 240 and, you know, I'm feeling all these things. And they were very supportive, which was great. Um, and they sort of said, look, if you, don't, if you don't feel like you can field tomorrow or bat again in the second innings, just let us know that we've got people here. It's absolutely fine. And I was sort of being, being a man, thought, no, I'll, I'll have a crack. I'll, I'll just do it. I'll just get it done. And it got to a point where I just knew I was just letting everyone else down as well because I just was not there and sort of just went and said to the coach, look, I'm done, I can't do this anymore. I still remember at the lunch break the next day um, going to like this place at the Wacker, sort of just I walked straight out of the change rooms because I knew I was just about to lose it and just went there and cried for about an hour and a half just sitting there, no, no, no idea what was going on in the game or anything, just bawled my eyes out for an hour and a half with just by myself. Few people sort of walked past, looking up, like, "What is going on?" But didn't I, stop to help you. No, nah, well, I think that, I think they knew I was having a bit of alone time, and probably thought it was best to leave me alone. Um, but yeah, just went and did that, and then thought, probably, yeah, it's probably time that I try and try and sort this out because otherwise, it could be a pretty, I guess, short cricket career if I. So, Em, when Will came and saw you, where did you start with the process? The first session with Will, a lot of the time was spent actually explaining to him what happened during that double century. Why mm. he, why was he able to perform the best he's ever performed mm. at a time where he has felt the worst he ever felt? And in episode one, we talked about the importance of understanding the science mm. behind what your mind is doing and your brain is doing. What was happening for Will? Every person, when we talk about high pressure, high expectation, remember that doesn't have to be an elite athlete. When we get into that environment, what increases is that fear of failure and that fear of not being good enough. So the more pressure on a situation, so the more I really want to do in this presentation or the more I really want to impress in this party, the more fear goes up and I, the more I really want it, the greater the fear. And so... When Will was saying, I felt completely emotionless to cricket, what we are effectively trying to get people to do is to detach from the emotion of the moment. And so I'm able to just bring... It's like a computer. We want Will to 
see the ball, react to the ball. We don't want him to attach to what's going on. We don't want him to go, oh, this guy delivers short balls. I don't like short balls. Short ball. Last time I had a short ball, it hit me in the head. We just want him to go, there's a ball, hit the ball, there's a ball, hit the ball. Mm. And because his attention had gone to a place of, I don't, I don't even care what score I get. I just, I'm at such a low that I don't, care if I get out. I don't care if I get 250. I'm, I, I don't even want to play this sport. He had no attachment to the outcome. And when he had no attachment to the outcome, he had no fear of failure. And now, oh, boom, look at your, look how good your talent actually is. You can get 240. Right. So inadvertently, he actually performed very well because yeah. he was in such a low so point now and we're, disconnected. Yeah. So now we've spent, the last, story. Year. <laughs> <laughs> we've spent the last year trying to get him back in that state <laughs> without the sadness and the, yeah. So we are effectively trying to, um, with an athlete, get into that state where I have no emotional attachment to the outcome. I'm just performing this skill with the best of my talents and mm. abilities and the strengths I bring to the moment. We want the person in their workplace to walk into a meeting, a presentation, write a document with no emotional attachment to yes. whether people like it, whether it's good, whether it's bad, whether I fail. What we're trying to get be able to do in a moment is say, what do I need to do right here, right now. I just need to hit the ball. I need to move my feet. I need to relax my shoulders. I need to take a breath. We don't. We sit there going, how am I doing? I'm doing terribly. I thought I'd be on 100 by now. I'm only on 20. Mm. What if I get out? So Will had none of that. And then we just see Will's pure talent, which is incredible, come to the fore and he gets a 240. But but if we are sad and hating it, mm, that's, what's the point? What's the point? Um, so let's talk to that. I think that that is a really common experience for people to be going about their lives and all of the ones around them that they love assume that they're having a good old mm. time, but underneath you're just not. It's it's And even at times when you feel like you should be at, at your happiest, you're inside not. And so then you have that voice also saying, why aren't I happy? Mm. What's wrong with me? Yeah. Why, why can't I connect with this and be grateful and joyous? Mm. Yeah, well, I'm a bad person because I don't feel right. happy about this. Why Why do we have this disconnect with what's going on in our lives and feel that sense of emptiness and flatness? Well, you know, we're always striving and searching and sitting outside of the moment, wanting more, wanting to be better, wanting when it's never enough. And we're always in this search. And so we hold things up as we play this game called when I, then I'll. So um, when I hit 240, then I'll feel like this. Right. When I get that pay rise, then this will happen. Mm. Um, because we are not ever content with just this moment right here, right now. So we're always sitting outside of that moment and we always think that that next moment will be better. And then we arrive there and it's like, hang on, since I was five, I thought when I got a double century, it would look like this and feel like this and it doesn't, oh, something's wrong with me. I'm mm. bad or I'm not good enough or I'm never, you know, I'm not, I need more. This is how we end up working longer hours, you know, getting out of balance with our lives, having 10 bottles of wine rather than one bottle, you know, one glass of wine because we are constantly searching for when I'll, then I'll. And we arrive and it's like, oh, that didn't feel good enough. So now mm. I've just got to do it more and I've got to get more. And we're just constantly, it never ends. So what's the antidote to that? Being present and being 
this present moment is enough and I don't need it to feel a particular way. Um, you know, try, with Will, we spend a lot of time banning from his language good, bad, you know, that labelling everything as this is good feeling, this is mm. a bad feeling, this may sound stupid, this may not, na- you know. It's like it's just this is what it is. I don't have to put a judgement on it. I just know that right here, right now, sitting with you guys, this is this is what it is. So that therefore changes your relationship with success as a cricketer, does it? Yeah, I think so. It's... um. As hard as it is, you'd want to get to a point where like you're very you're successful based on your process rather than your outcome. And I think I'm getting there, but it still eats you up inside if you don't make the amount of runs that you felt you wanted to or um and as a cricketer you never feel like you've made enough, I don't think. So like if you make hundred and twenty, like you should have made hundred and sixty, or if you make hundred and sixty, you should have made two hundred. So um, And we we condition these athletes from Tiny. Mm. Well, you won the McDonald's Cheeseburger Award for getting the most runs <laughs> yeah. today, you know. Yes. Um, yes. You know, you, mum and dad are really, really happy because you, you know, took that catch. We, we conditioned them that it's about the outcome and it's why we love watching sport because when these athletes are so striving for this outcome, they make mistakes because mm. they don't have attention on their process. Well, how many focuses do we have? How one. One, right? And Explain so, that. What does that mean? So at any given time, you can only be focused on one thing. So it's impossible. Well, you, you watch your quote for me. I should remember it because you say it so often to me. <laughs> yeah, but, <laughs> this, this is a test. <laughs> um, <laughs> you always say there's no like pain or struggle in the present moment. It's yeah. only what's happened in the past or what you can see could happen in the future, which is where you get your anxiety from. But in the present moment, like I'm just currently talking. Like there's no pain or um, struggle in talking. Yes. Um, so that's been sort of a big focus and especially in cricket, which can go for four or five days and there's a lot of gaps in the game. There's a lot of time to think about what has happened, what could happen. Mm. In the workplace, you could be thinking about in three weeks' time, mm. I've got this due or, or whatnot or I, I stuffed up my last assignment, I can't stuff up my next one. Um, but that's not in the moment, like on a Friday afternoon at 2pm or whatever, that's not what's important. Like what's mm. important is what you're doing then. Mm. In this moment is, is a perfect moment, but what happens when we're in real pain? Yeah. You know, we're going through something that is deeply painful, whether it's a loss, whether it's a grief. Everyone has those moments in their lives. How do you then say this is a perfect moment? Well, we don't need to call it a perfect moment. It's just this is the moment. And so what Will was saying about the focus, when we say we only have one focus, we cannot be in what if I had been, uh, you know, what if I had taken my child to the doctor sooner? Mm. You know, would would they not be sick? Or, or what if I had eaten better food or lived a healthier life would I not be sick, right? We can't have our focus on the what ifs and the if onlys and be in the present moment. So we, we're either in one or the other. We can't be in both. So the pain that comes from trauma and grief, the pain that Will was experiencing around just the overwhelming 
do I, am I good enough to play cricket? Do I want to be a cricketer? What if my whole life look like, looks like this? There is real pain associated with that. We feel it in our chest. Will was feeling it, you know, in his body. That's, there was a physiological pain associated to that. We can't just make that go away, but we can choose not to sit with our focus on the what ifs, the if onlys, the why did I do that? I'm not good enough. So what we talk about is, in this moment, so can I use spinal cord injury because it's really, it's the best way I can explain this. Spinal cord injury, you, uh, so for those that haven't heard my story, my son has a recent spinal cord injury and when you have a quadriplegic, you are prone to getting a lot of infections. Now, if Will is has pneumonia and is can, you know, die at any moment, that is going to cause me a lot of pain and there's going to be a lot of what if he dies, why wasn't I onto this sooner? I can just be present in that pain without having my focus on the what ifs and the if onlys. The pain will move and pass and go eventually, but if I sit in the what ifs and the if onlys, I just keep it alive. I keep it going round and round and round and round and round. And so what people do wrong is they like try and pull themselves out into now I'm happy and this is Mm. good and everything's great because I don't want to be negative. They see it as positive and negative. It's like, I'm just not sitting in the what ifs and the if onlys. I can feel pain. Um, So Will, as a cricketer, he and any athlete goes through this, the prospect of a upcoming four-day game can sometimes fill you with feelings of, Overwhelm, oh, dread. Utter dread, I would imagine. Heaviness. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> also a bit of excitement yes. and, you know, it's all mixed in. Yeah. There's all this stuff going around in his body. We can't just make that go away for Will. We don't need to make that go away. We don't want to make that go away. But what we want to keep Will out of is what if I stuff up when I'm out there? Mm. What, if I, what if I drop a catch? What if I get out? They're unhelpful. There are no answers in that. I say anxiety comes from trying to control the uncontrollables. When Will has his one focus on failing, getting it wrong, all these things that are out of his control, like what if I get out? What if they bowl a short ball? What if they? What if the weather's crap? If he has his one focus on that, then he's going to keep all those, those feelings of dread and heaviness and fear is going to grow bigger and bigger. So what we want Will to do is go it's okay if today I feel heavy or Mm. I feel dread or I feel, I don't even have to put a label to it. I feel these things. I just don't sit in the what ifs and the if onlys. Okay, so is that about um, I feel it but I still am okay? Yeah, we're all, you know. So I surrender to what you're feeling. Yeah. But I'm still okay. Yeah, and here is where it slightly differs for... um, I guess I call it high-performance mindfulness. This is where it differs for us when we now actually have to go and perform. So it's like, I'm dreading this presentation. I don't want to do it. I feel like I can't breathe. I feel like I can't talk. I'm doing a really good job of picking up my focus and keeping it, putting it on my breath, keeping it out of the what ifs, I muck it up, what Mm. if I get it wrong? But now I actually got to get up on stage. So this is where we want to be acutely aware of what our strengths are 
And now I just step into them. I make a deliberate choice to pull my shoulders back. I make a deliberate choice to breathe deeper. I make a deliberate choice to smile, to use my gestures. So now I'm getting out of just letting the moment be what it is. Mm. And now I'm stepping into bringing my strengths to that moment. So for Will, what are your strengths, Will, do you reckon? When we talk about Yeah. Generally, I can bat for long periods of time, so that's, I know that's probably not the right idea for yeah, being no, in the I present know. moment, mm, yeah, but, but being able to repeat a process where... Yeah, so what what allows you to bat for a long time? Uh, so my main ones, I've got a pretty good technique, obviously decent hand-eye coordination, which yeah. helps, um, and then probably an ability to actually focus on just the ball when I need to, and then I've sort of been told whether I'm on... 150 or one, I bat pretty similarly, which yep. is probably different to a lot of other cricketers who a lot of the time like probably are more free-flowing and just as soon as they feel like they're, they're going well, they just keep going. So yeah, so I love being this. able to maintain that concentration, I think. So I love this conversation with an athlete because he's worked with me for a year and we have to keep drilling out down. But what allows you to do that? Like what, what allows you to, to keep that technique going? Is it your soft hands is it you're watching the ball is it yeah so it's for me it's a lot about trying to I guess detach from a previous ball or over and just going okay so I sort of switch off in between balls I wiggle my toes when I've got my my stance ready I try and relax my shoulders and try and relax my hands as much as I can um because I feel like if it tenses me up it just I guess adds fear to you to what you're going about um and then from there yeah it's literally just watch the ball and then basically try and execute what what I feel like my instincts tell me to do the best I can. So the underlying principle here is that there is one focus. We yeah. only have one focus. We do. And see how even Will then sat too high. So we keep our focus on things like, okay, I've got to, I'm really good at batting for a long time, so I've got to go out there and bat mm. for a long time. That's it's not like, really useful to it's you, It's like, is it? well, how do I do that? No. Oh, my God, what if yeah, I don't bat right. for a long time, you know? We put our focus on things like, okay, I've got to go into that room and be really confident. Mm. It's like, well, yeah, but what if I'm not confident? How do I do that? So see what I was doing with Will there. Yeah, but what do you have to do, Will? So we want to know that when I'm showing up to that moment, what is something that I can do Mm. that helps me perform at my best? So for Will, it is watch the ball. It's when he says wiggle his toes, he's catching that attention and he's putting it on his toes because his toes, once it's on his toes, it's not on all of these crazy thoughts. And once mm. it's on his toes, it's on. there's no danger in that. Now, body just goes, oh, good, mm. there's no danger in just wiggling your toes, softening your hands, softening your shoulders. He softens all those things because he's also sending a message to his mind going, hey, nothing bad, nothing dangerous. I know what to do here. Mm. You can turn off that fight and flight and just relax into this moment. But we sit, athletes sit too high and coaches sit too high in, okay, Will, go out there. You know how to bat for a long time. We really need you to bat for a long time Mm. today. Talking about here how you can be in any situation and feel a sense of, well, happiness. Is that is, is happiness a thing that we're striving for or is it peace? Is it contentment? Um, I mean, when you learn hardcore mindfulness, it's you don't want to label any of that stuff. Right. Um, but, gosh, good luck getting through life 
doing that. That's sometimes a bit boring, isn't it? We talk a lot at Richmond about this and we strive for acceptance. Right. We just accept that we can't control what's going on. We accept that we might get it wrong. We accept that people might not like us. We accept that might not go how it is. We just accept that this is just what it is. So that's acceptance of environment, of circumstance and of self. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm. We say if you can turn up in acceptance, then it's a really um, it's a really powerful performance mindset to be in. So for Will, if he can walk out onto the crease and just accept that I might get out today or I might fail today, I might actually hit 240 today, it doesn't matter because the world still turns, I still wake up the next morning, my family and friends still love me, I'm still a good person. So if he can walk out in acceptance, it's really great. An even more powerful place that you want to sit in is love. If you can get to love, you're Mm. nailing it. Um, Love of what I do, love of the moment, love of, you know, um, facing a short ball, love of the being on the edge, love of, you know, my teammates. I don't know how love got to be such a Ooh, word for for male Well, it's athletes. very different yeah. to romance, obviously. Yeah, it's, yeah, lo- yeah. it's love of, and for me, I think love and gratitude is the same thing because it's got to be love of this life. Yeah, 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 absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, Will has used gratitude yes, powerfully. Have, yeah. Tell us yeah. about that, Will. So you I've got gratitude. a, oh, well, the basic premise of it, I've got a little book that I write three things in a day that I'm grateful for. And my dogs are often the main feature, to be honest. <laughs> um, <laughs> but even on top of that, I think um, one thing which sort of fits into the gratitude thing is energy in versus energy out stuff. So what what brings energy in is a lot of the stuff you're grateful for and um, like just gives you that, I guess, revitalization. So that's been a big one for me yeah. as well in that field. So we say that re- the research says if you get your the balance of good energy in versus energy you're putting out wrong, the first thing that you'll see is an increase in sort of illness, like more colds, mm. more feeling sick. The second thing you'll see is an increase in um, injuries for athletes, little niggly soft tissue injuries. Uh-huh. Third thing you'll see is an increase in anxiety. The fourth thing you'll see is an increase in depression. And so what we talk about a lot is the balance of energy in versus energy out, and people get this really wrong. They're expending energy all day as an athlete running and jumping and training a core in the working world, we're expending energy at work. And so then we think, oh, I need to sit on the couch because I'm so tired. Mm. And we sit on the couch with our attention in the doomsday stories of I'm not, mm. why did I do that? I'm not good enough, which is actually more energy out. And we're just constantly in energy out. Whereas if we actually stop and go, what brings me good energy in? Now for Will is a really social guy that's like seeing mates and being with mates. Someone else energy in is meditating, walking on the beach, recharging by yourself, but it's actually deliberately going energy in versus energy out rather than I'm going to sit, I need to sit on the couch all day. I think if we are honest with ourselves, we know what feeds us and we know yeah. what doesn't, but we feel obliged to continue down the path of things that are energy out because that's what other people want us to do Yeah, or we feel obligated to do it. Yeah. And we need to be given permission to honour what is energy in for you? 
Absolutely, completely. I'm thinking mostly of working parents around here, but, you know, you just have this sense that you've got to keep going, 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 mm. going. I have to go to that meeting. I have to do that drop off and pick up and I have to do the shopping. I have to cook this and I have to do that. And you're just like, well, but, but you don't. Yeah. Honour what's right for you. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but I think understanding that if I get it wrong leads to, is a massive contributor. Uh, working with athletes, like it's a, a, you watch Will and if Will gets his sleep wrong, sleep is a really big thing for Will. If he gets that wrong, you're, you, you get increased feelings of yeah. unrest and, mm. you know, I'm not saying he gets anxiety, but he gets more feelings of being agitated and, mm. and being, you know, um, not settled. And so understanding that and going, well, then my energy, a good energy in for will is sleep. For me, I could have no sleep, a lot of sleep. It doesn't make much difference for me. It's not a big thing for me. But time on my own, mm. that I have enough time on my own, then those feelings start to rest. So just know what it is. Mm. And I think when we keep labelling things as self-care and well-being, we think, oh, I'll worry about that later. No, this is just an equation, energy in, energy out. When it gets wrong, you're going to get sick and you're going to get anxiety. Mm. And you should just not compromise on that. But yeah, also yeah. honour other people's needs yeah. in and around that. And can you know? we just lighten up a bit and have a bit of fun? Like with Will, he, his dogs are a big source of entertainment to him mm-hmm. and joy to They're him. They're that funny. <laughs> can I, I, want, I want to explain the science behind why we get Will to connect to his dogs so much. Sure. So because, you know, I don't want people listening out there to... Start looking. Going to be a lot dogs. of dogs getting well, purchased. Why, why, you know, I'm looking at my dog, and I don't feel any different. Um, so we only have one focus, mm. and you know, let's say it's Will's about to go and play cricket that day, and his focus through that survival mechanism we talk about wants to sit on. What if you get out? What if you fail? What if you're not good enough today? It wants to go there. Any cricket player, not Will, any athlete is going to go to that. Anyone going into an important thing is going to be on the mm. bad, the, in a way to keep them safe. Like I'm going to tell you everything bad that can happen to you. And so when Will picks up that focus, a bit like what we did with the exercise catch your attention, he's picking up that focus, that one focus, and he's now putting it on his dogs and you know, watching a video of them, writing in his gratitude journal about what he's got to be grateful for. As he is doing that, my one focus is no longer on what if I fail, what if I get it wrong? And it's on something that genuinely changes, goes on to a completely different neural pathway. And that is a neural pathway that feels different in my body. Right. So now once I'm looking at my dogs, talking about my dogs, writing in my gratitude journal, I'm in a different part of my brain that sends a different message down my vagus nerve into my body. My body feels different. The different feelings in my body spend, send a message back up into my brain mm. to go, hey, danger's gone away, all is good. And that sends a different message down. Now I'm in a different loop and Will goes out on that cricket pitch now with deeper breath, softer shoulders, softer hands. We know that he plays better when he's in that state and now he plays better. Mm. So it's about finding whatever it is for you. It might not be your dogs. For me, all I need to think about is my daughter Willow and what she feels like in my arms. Yeah. Like I can physically feel that yeah. as soon it's as I think about it. It's a different neural net for you mm. and it feels different for you. Mm. And it's now more, 
it doesn't matter what you're on. It's just that you're not on that stories of failing and getting it wrong and not being good enough. So last episode, we started with Catch Your Attention. Yeah. And hopefully you've been practising that. Yep. What is the next step? Okay, Emma? and Will knows this next step. I might throw to him to to pat it out a little bit. The next step is called Name It to Tame It. And so what that means is step one, we catch our attention. So that was when we were walking, driving, having a shower before a meeting. Catch my attention and I bring it back to my breath. But now when I catch my attention, I'm actually going to name where my attention had gone and what emotion that has made me sit mm. in. And the science tells us when we name the emotion that we're experiencing, it immediately changes the neural pathway that it is on and it tames it, it loses its power. So let's use Will for an example. It's a cricket morning and he's getting ready and he's having a shower and he catches that his attention has gone. Now he might catch his attention just by tuning in and listening to what he's thinking about, but he might actually catch his attention noticing that he's getting really tense. He'll just catch it by going, hmm, where has it gone? Oh, it's gone to that worrying thought about what if I get out. That's just a worry thought. And so he's just naming that emotion. And for someone like an athlete, what we also tack on to it is a worry thought doesn't affect my performance. That's, mm. you know, that's just a worry thought. It, mm. it doesn't affect my performance. You know, a worry thought about what if I forget my words does not mean I'm going to forget my mm. words. So we're just calling it out. So we're catching our attention and we're naming that emotion to um, tame that emotion. We're still bringing it back to the breath, but now we're just adding that layer. And what we'll start to see with this is we start to see patterns of, I always go to that worry thought about getting it wrong. Mm. Or I always go to that whinging thought or that victim thought about mm. not having enough time. Mm. Or I always go to that angry thought about everyone doing the wrong thing by me. Mm. You'll start to see what it is. Try and name the actual emotion that you're in. Right. Yeah. Writing it down would help? You could. If you're yeah. a writer, you yeah. write it down. Um, I'm not a writer, so I don't write it down, so it's all right if you don't write it mm. down. Um, some people get tangled when they write it down. You, you're a writer. You like writing it down, don't yeah, you? Yeah, I like writing it down. Yeah. Mm. Well, um, for me, I, I found that really useful because I am a writer, but, you know, I appreciate not everyone is. Draw pictures, whatever. <laughs> but I found that's really a great way of seeing the pattern. Yeah. Because Did, didn't you forget your book and you had to go into a petrol station on the way to a yeah. cricket game and yeah. Will likes to have matching pens and oh, books. And yeah. well, I think the it. colour coordination. He's a sophisticated man. I totally get colour it. Colour coordination for me. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> no, I get I'm big yeah. into stationery. Yeah, I, I, yeah. I'm no, all about Stationery fanatic. Um, <laughs> 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 no, nah, so I just go with the pens to like do, like, One I guess to cipher. One of his dog ate the pens. Yeah. That was a problem. Oh, we had yeah. no good. I caught myself <laughs> getting really angry at him. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, so I'll just do that first. So for my gra gratitude, I have, I write that in green because uh -huh. green is like, I don't know, is this a bad thing to say, but it's like good, I think. Sure. Like green just well, like. it's positive. It's a nature, positive it's color, growth. Yeah. Yeah. It's all of that. And then I have blue as my three things I want to achieve in a day. So mm -hmm. that's sort of just that neutral, okay, this is what I want to get done today. Mm-hmm. Um, three, it could be three basic things, like literally take the dogs for a walk, whatever. And then I write red as something to like look out for, which I know can be, I guess, 
no, seen I, as negative, yeah. but it's not as a negative thing. It's more like, okay, that's what I'm going to be wary of today as mm-hmm. like a potential. What can catch me yeah. from, mm-hmm. from what, so for, what would be something that you would keep an eye out for in the day? Uh, so I'd be, one thing, big thing for me is buying into my thoughts and feelings too much. So mm-hmm. I would maybe write in red and even in capital letters like, I'm allowed to think and feel whatever I want today. And that mm-hmm. means that any time I feel like I'm judging how I'm thinking or feeling, I go, no, hang on a minute. I made this thing at the start of the day for a reason. I'm allowed to think and feel whatever I want because it's part of being human. And then mm. that sort of probably goes into the naming and taming thing as well yeah. where I just go, okay, no, that's what I am feeling, but that is okay. Like I'm allowed yeah, to do yeah. that. And mm. it, yeah, it just settles everything down. And yeah, then, that's that worry thought. Like if we have a worried thought, it does not mean the world's going to end or we're a bad person or we're no good at mindfulness. It's just a worry thought. Call mm. it out for what it mm. is. And then let it go. Big deal. Yeah, that's you know? right. Move on. Well, Will, thank you for your wisdom and for sharing your experience. <laughs> it's been really wonderful. That, of course, was episode two of Best of You in the House of Wellness. In episode three, we will get the next step in our mindfulness mm. exercise. So, so far, we've had Catch Your Attention and Name It to Tame It. Also in ep three, in addition to the next step to that exercise, we'll be joined by young track and field star Morgan Mitchell. Morgan has gone from strength to strength as a runner, moving up the world rankings and stepping into her own as she switched from 400 metres to 800 metre event. But the hardest opponent Morgan faced has been the narrative in her own head. With Morgan, we will talk about how mindfulness can free us from fear. We look forward to sharing that with you next time on Best of You in the House of Wellness. Best of You in the House of Wellness was created and presented by me, Joe Stanley and Emma Murray. Produced by Alex Mitchell. Sound production by Matt Nikolic. For more episodes, head to houseofwellness.com.au or search Best of You in the House of Wellness. Listener.